you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Robert Jacoby. He's from Cloudways. You can go to cloudways.com. It's an awesome hosting company doing a lot of great things in the Word, WordPress space. First, welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks so much, Chris. Great to be here. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk tech and WordPress and open source and um community and all these things with you that we, we have a shared passion for. But first, when I came across you, I've, I noticed your job title was director of WordPress at Cloudways. What does that mean? <laughs> it's a good, it's a cool title, but I'm like, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? It's a very all encompassing title. So my role at Cloudways is to run the WordPress business unit. So we're a hosting company that can support multiple platforms. Uh, we started out with sort of PHP and Magento as our, you know, initial two major business units. Uh, obviously, uh, pivoted and added WordPress as a major business unit, and I am the director of that entire business unit. So that involves marketing, events, product, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but really, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's, there's a pin. L at the end of my name, and it's making sure that you know we succeed in the WordPress arena. That's awesome. You know, every WordPress um, freelancer, product creator, um, just regular user creating content, websites, and blogs, and whatever, they have to get hosting. And it's like a part of the stack. It's part of the freedom to own the platform. You still need to put it somewhere. Most people don't want to put a server in their closet. Could you give us a tour of how the hosting industry has evolved over like, let's say the last 10 years, you know, what happened between 2012 and 2022? Like what, how is it different today than it was in the earlier days of WordPress? <laughs> That's well, I'm going to just briefly touch on the super early days because okay. you can't get to the last 10 years without the last 20 years. And, you know, let, let's say, let's make the numbers even and easy. So, you know, 2000 to, you know, 2010, you know, people were rolling up their own servers. They were just attaching them to you know, whatever network connection they could find, getting a stable IP address and a domain name and getting stuff to, to run. As, you know, the ecosystem evolved, as developers, agencies, product creators evolved, you know, it was like, we need to have more than just, you know, some kind of Dell box in a closet you know, running our business. And, you know, over the last 20 years, you know, the hosting industry has come in sometimes slowly in weird spurts, but, you know, has come in to fill that void to make sure that hosting is reliable, it's, you know, safe, secure. And, and I'm just saying that from like the pure infrastructure side, I'm not even getting to the software where all of a sudden, you know, over the last 10 years, you get the shared hosting migrating to managed hosting and managed hosting really means we have to worry less about, you know, all these little bits and pieces of the software infrastructure, up automatic updates, you know, maybe there's some automatic firewalls, bot protection, all those kinds of things. Those start being expected, you know, you know, 
the the commoditized aspect of do I have you know an Ethernet connection to my server died years ago. So what are the new commodities that everyone expects? And everyone expects everything to be up all the time to have a level of you know serviceability, protection, support, and you know that baseline. You know, as a former agency owner, I think it's great that it keeps improving. Like, you know, your your performance is always getting better for the same price point. Your support's always getting better for the same price point. Um, yeah, I, I get in a nutshell. You know, it, there's there's been a, a a trajectory that most markets you know kind of follow. It's like, okay, we got early adopters, we're doing stuff. Now we're getting some stuff commoditized. Now there's an expectation at the level of end users who don't typically deal with technology and they're like, well, yeah, I, I pay my lighting, my electricity bill. So my electricity is on, I pay my hosting bill. So my site should be up. Unfortunately, a site being up involves a lot more things than just making sure power gets to your house. It involves, yes, the servers being up that the, they're performant, that they're, they haven't been hacked or, you know, they haven't crashed and things like that. I love that. I, I started WordPress in 2008 and I'm actually not a developer. I can't write a line of code. I'm a power WordPress user. Um, I have a business partner at Literal LMS who's a hardcore developer. Um, but I remember when I first started, uh, got started in WordPress, there was something called the famous five minute install and FTP this and that. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, but this little soft thing where I can get WordPress going, I'm like, I got this. So I like just barely squeaked in at just being a regular user. And now just looking at platforms like Cloudways, where you have all these layers of benefits stacked on top of the hosting in terms of like security and backups and like making it easy uh, for people like me, even before, you know, people who are just beginners, it's awesome. But it, but make no mistake about it. There's a lot of magic to make that feel easy. I know that oh, a lot goes into that. It's no magic. It's a lot of hard work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just glad that you see that it's magic. <laughs> well, it's. I, I know there's a lot to it. I just, I just remember having my mind blown when I was like, wait a second, I can create this website and anybody anywhere in the world can like see what I have to say. That was like mind blowing to me. And that's like the moment I fell in love with WordPress and not only what I could say, but I could start, you know, consuming content and building businesses and interacting like as a global citizen. It's just, it's awesome. Um, I know you're a big open source guy. Um, what is, what is the, what's special about open source? I mean, WordPress is open source software. Um, whereas like a closed content management system, like, uh, I don't know, like a Wix or Squarespace or something is not open source. But what, what makes open source special in post-2020? That's a great question, Chris. I really appreciate it, actually, because, yep, I'm going to talk your ear off about it. So <laughs> back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I mean, like, back, back in the day, open source was free as in software, uh, free as in speech, free as in beer. Yeah, and that, that was sort of the mantra and free as in speech, meaning you can share it with everyone uh, and free as in beer, as in it doesn't cost you anything. Today's open source is, is, is slightly different, but it still tackles the same problems that, you know, existed 25 years ago. 
that we're dealing with today with like Squarespace and Wix and, you know, these proprietary CMSs, part of it is you really want to own your data. You want to, and, and your data is literally everything. So it's not, you know, it's, it's your code. It's, you know, your, your, your traffic logs. It's your, um, funnel, uh, logs. I'll just call them logs, but you know, all that funnel information, you know, how people are going through your site, uh, data that's been submitted and proprietary CMSs on the whole, make it very difficult to take that information and do what you want with it. I feel if I've done all the work and I've, you know, paid you $5 a month, well, you only get $5 a month of all the work I get. That doesn't mean you get to keep all that information and monetize that information and then not pay me for all the work I've done to create an e-commerce site, to create a whatever site and, you know, take advantage of it. You know, that's the trick. And, and what people aren't realizing is that they're helping those other companies make money that they're not getting paid back uh, for. And it, it's sort of like Facebook. Oh, great. Facebook is free. But there's a monetization effort that obviously Facebook takes advantage of through advertising. They make billions. Uh, okay, well, how much of my time spent on XYZ platform is worth to you? Well, maybe that should be kicked back to me. In open source, I own the whole thing. Uh, can I screw it up and, and make my life miserable doing that? Absolutely. It's not easy. It's not cheap. It's not free. But if I take it seriously and I and I commit to the process, if I commit to the open source uh, ecosystem as a whole, it will benefit benefit me in the long run. It's not a short term gain gain. It's about making sure I own everything. I can do whatever I want with it, and then monetize it, give it away, whatever I want to do with it. That includes the code. That includes you know having a CMS with themes that I've created and can send them out and just let everyone take advantage of. And so part of that is the financial side where I own all of that, that money comes back to me. The other side is I give back to all the developers who've committed to the open source side of the universe. And that iterates and makes better product at the end of the day. I, uh, you didn't ask, maybe it's on, on, on the list. I'm a huge Gutenberg fan. Huge. I love it. Um, thank goodness it exists. It has elevated, in my opinion, the experience of utilizing WordPress. That wouldn't have happened without good competition iteration in the process. And we keep giving it back to each other. You know, XYZ company does something in open source. They create some uh, little code snippets that comes back to the project. Someone else is like, oh, that's a great idea. Let me see what I can do with it. You know, it, 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 it's not some weird, you know, hippie free-for-all, but people are really enjoying doing the work and taking advantage of it in multiple ways, intellectually, professionally, commercially, and that's, and that's fine. And, and you can't do that when you're locked into a, a single platform. I can't do that with Wix. I can't do that with Microsoft Office. I can't do that with a lot of things. And... Mm -hmm. Those communities are as strong as those companies let them be. Whereas we get to make a choice about how strong we want our communities to be, our ecosystems. That was my next question was really around community. Like how, um, 
in some ways it seems like the closed uh companies of um that are not open source they still have like a lot of power and influence a lot of times but then the community aspect of like this giant wordpress ecosystem is also really powerful but they're powerful in different ways how does a how does the um where does the open source community especially in wordpress really excel you mentioned all the innovation on gutenberg you know the ecosystem of products but speak more to the community aspect I like people. So I, I think what, what happens in a community like WordPress, for example, is that you really get to know each other and you'll have people in all sorts of businesses, all levels of expertise, hanging out together, exchanging ideas, uh, building real relationships. I do want to say that, you know, think, you know, companies like Microsoft and Wix and Google, they do have very strong professional communities. Mm-hmm. They're purely professional. They're huge, they're successful, but the, 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 there's a singular focus. What I see in open source is that you have a community with multiple aspects. So it's, it's a, one of those beautiful Venn diagrams with circles everywhere. And, you know, community is at the center as opposed to, you know, at, an outlier. So community in open source sits at the middle and you have, you know, commercial over here, uh, social over here, political over here, you know, developers over here. They're all touching on it in different ways. Whereas in proprietary communities, community is adjacent to the, the big circle in the middle, which would be that company. So that would be Microsoft or Google or Wix. So that's that big circle. Whereas it's inverted in the open source space. Did you explain that whole cathedral and bazaar analogy? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know the analogy and I absolutely cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's similar to that, like where like, or maybe it's, yeah, like the cathedral, you know, it's like really top down, but the bazaar is like the street. Very fair, flat. And you, and you have yeah. all these people that show up with their wares and uh, there's free samples flying around and bartering and all kinds of stuff. going. It's a different feel. I don't think it's as chaotic as the bazaar, yeah. uh, depending on the project. But if we're speaking about WordPress specifically, I think the uh, it's uh, a little bit in between. The, the, there, there's strong influence and management from the WordPress core team, whether that's you know uh, the core events team, whether that's core technology team, all all the core facets of it. And 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 money does flow into that, obviously mostly from automatic, that that helps decisions and things get done. But there's enough opportunity to come in as a third party and say, wait a minute, can't we do it this way? So it, it's not as cathedral, it's not as bizarre, and I think that's fundamentally what's made WordPress very successful is that it. it it's open to the bazaar, but but there's enough of a, a a structure to make things happen. Where do you think it's going? Like, can WordPress keep getting bigger? Like, will it ever cross fifty percent? I mean, of course, there'll always be you know different players, but how how far how much room does this uh, open source software of WordPress have to run? Are we like halfway? Are we in the first inning? Are we uh, are, are we hitting max? 
uh i know that i'm asking you to like just guess but like where where do you see the future going here in terms of adoption and um open source in a commercial kind of uh existing within this world of closed networks as well so uh I do have a feel, you know, hitting that fifty percent mark is is one of those like, are we gonna get it? Are we gonna get it? Are, you know, yeah. are we almost there? And great, great if we do, great if we don't. What do I care? Uh, what's important to me is the overall ongoing interest of implementing WordPress. You know, fifty percent of online market share. And, and you know is great, but a lot of people actually you know you, you need to look deep into the numbers and and I used to actually run the Joomla project, so I, I know how to kind of like dig deep into some of these numbers. And it's like, well, how many of these are you know trial sites? How many of these are zombie sites? How you know you know what really matters? So you know, seeing that it runs fifty percent of the internet, okay. Sure, could also only run like thirty percent of the internet for all I know. Right. Uh, focusing on on that metric, I think is at the end of the day kind of meaningless. It's like how how strong is the community? How excited are people about implementing projects around WordPress? Everything from you know from learning management to e-commerce to whatever you know. What is that interest level? And it's really high, and and that fundamentally is much more important than. Is it fifty or forty percent? That's awesome. You know, we ha we have to do our job of making sure we build the best solutions around WordPress for it, and people will come because they're already looking for that. They're already they're already looking for online solutions for all sorts of problems, and it, it, is the momentum you know around SaaS providers? Is it around hosting providers that let you be more open and flexible? You know that, that those are the questions that you know sort of need to be either marketed to or just answered. You mentioned the phrase "best solution." One of the like really interesting things about WordPress, both at the hosting level and in, and you know the application layer with plugins and themes and whatnot, is this um, this kind of usability of by beginners and advanced users alike. What, what's your take on that? That, that? It's always fascinated me. I kind of have this philosophy that, okay, well, we're going to take care of the ends, like the power user developer, you know, with this advanced API and all this stuff. And then we're going to make it easy for just like a first time user. And then the middle will just kind of figure itself out, but it's really hard. How do you think about the challenge of advanced users and beginners in this community together? It, it, it's honestly one of the things I think about all the time. Um, I, I'm a geek freak, dork, nerd, all <laughs> that. I, I started an agency that built our own CMS back in 2000. So I, I'm all about how do we enable the, uh, there's probably a, a nice politically correct word to say the super geeks, um, to take advantage of all the you know, the best APIs, the best content management, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so, so I love supporting that really technical end of the universe. For the new user, no one's going to like what I'm going to say. Okay. For the new user who doesn't care about anything 
And this is actually how I think about when I, you know, my wife does all of our, you know, what kind of car are we going to get decisions? I'm like, all I need to be able to do is get in the car, turn it on and get somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, a large group of people on the internet who are the same way. They yeah. want to turn on their website, get their stuff on there, you know, and call it a day. And, and that's fair. And that's great. And they're, you know, some of them will grow to be all sorts of things. A lot of them will just, you know, be driving in their car every day and it won't really matter much. The, What's nice about, uh, you know, again, an open source WordPress project is that providers can start building out solutions, our magic word, uh, for those folk. Things that say, hey, it's not going to cost you a lot. You're going to be online. We're going to call it a day. You know, obviously, WordPress.com has a great edge in that just because of the brand name. Uh, but everyone's doing it. You, you, you're going to see a level... Uh, of commodity WordPress website available to everyone, everywhere. I mean, yes, I'm going to say come to Cloudways and do it, but everyone's doing it. I mean, go to Elementor. They have Elementor, a page builder, now has their own Elementor cloud. I mean, you're going to see it everywhere. You're going to see it at SiteGround. You're going to see it at Bluehost. You're going to see it at WP Engine. You're going to see it at uh, Kinsta, A2. Uh, oh, my. I, you know, there, there's every host will have a baseline very consumer focused on ramp and it's going to be cheap and you're going to get what you pay for and that'll be fine for 99 percent of the people who just need to get something online there are millions of people who need to go beyond that and you know th and that's where i think every host starts to look to differentiate themselves with that's awesome you mentioned being a big gutenberg lover the the block editor for wordpress which i am as well and uh, I just find it so powerful. And uh, just the potential there of this kind of modular block approach is awesome. But what, what's a counterintuitive insight or maybe just as a technologist with a lot of history yourself, like where, what do you see in Gutenberg that may not be as obvious to uh, everybody out there that you're really excited about? I'm excited about Gutenberg because I'm lazy. Okay. <laughs> it feels like, 99% of the issues I would normally deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. What uh, I really like from the sort of the tech perspective is let, let's uh, let's kind of dig deep into WordPress architecture. The database is a mess. The architecture is a mess. And please feel free to argue with me, but it's, you know, it, what WordPress has has done very successfully has been backwards compatible for about 15 plus years. That's crazy. There's a lot of legacy mess in that code. What Gutenberg, I feel, can eventually allow to happen is that we finally get to things like actually creating atomic data for parts of content actually being able to expand out tables. So when a Gutenberg, Gutenberg or a block, let's, let's say maybe there are certain types of blocks that actually when you install them, start creating separate tables that are actually like database compliant tables, not you know a bunch of JSON semicolon comma delimited, delimited madness that no one can parse except 
WordPress. So that means you need to make API calls. Everything gets slowed down and it's a nightmare. No, like things can actually be uh, made atomic for much more different usage. Uh, so Could you clarify that. that atomic piece? Like what does that mean? Okay, so super dorky uh, coding nerdiness. Uh, atomic, uh, you know, data should be atomic. That means that a bit of data in a table should not be able to be parsed out. So typically, I, let's go with something that's not atomic. Uh, name. My name is Robert Jacoby. If I put Robert Jacoby as a full name into a table, that's not atomic because I can actually parse that out into a first name and last name. So it should be Robert and Jacoby. So, you know, creating useful, reusable data is critical uh, in the long run for, for whatever we want to do on the internet because it's more meaningful. We can start putting those pieces together. WordPress has a lot of legacy database gruft that doesn't allow you to do that. So I, I think that Gutenberg is a a step in the right direction where you can start looking at things, blocks that are very atomic. So a, a, an atomic block in a in a post might be the uh, lead. It might be the synopsis. It might, and now you can actually start with smart blocks. You can actually start creating tables that take that stuff and now you can, how do you reuse it? Now you can put it into an uh, email newsletter. So you have like, um, what is it? Plugin, uh, what's newsletter the, uh, glue? Glue? newsletter glue. Yes. You know, what's funny so you... is she was the interview right before this. It's oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But I mean, but that's the thing, but you can yeah. start, you know, being able to extract that data and make it more meaningful. And, and that's the key. So you have to, you know, yes, newsletter glue is great, but even just social media, now you can start tagging bits of at atomic data again the most meaningful bit of data in a post and say that's social media post and maybe that's not automatically going out there but at least it's you know can be repurposed and reutilized and instead of having a whole bunch of fields at the bottom of your post that you fill out for seo and all that start tagging it and saying oh okay this is this this that it can be all of a sudden uh s more smartly processed I love that. And correct me if I'm, if you don't agree, uh, my, my business partner and co-founder Thomas is developer. He's really big on like the end of short codes. Like we're using blocks now, but what I notice is the market is a little comfortable and used to short codes and expects them. Um, can you kind of speak to that? Uh, that kind of, how do we help people transition to blocks instead of short codes? or think about them differently. Aaron, do you see what I'm talking about? Why there's some tension in the market? <laughs> Boy, yeah. I, I might be the wrong person for this one because I'm all about like, just just cut them off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just deprecated. <laughs> I mean, Sorry, show, short codes are no longer supported. That's Goodbye. what my business partner says, but I have to represent the user. I'm like, they're, they love short codes. What do we do? So, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> stupid short codes. Uh, no, and, and it's funny, every... CMS that I've dealt with in the last 20, close to 20 years has had a version of short codes because it was a way to inject content into an editor or a user experience where you just wanted to throw that in there. You know, at, at the end of the day, I, I, I 
I see most short codes literally just turning into other, just turning into blocks because that's what they are. I mean, a, a short blocks code. Of options. Is, uh, that that's that's really what it is. I mean, a short code is really just like put something here. So I mean, that block could be something tiny. It could be my phone number. Mm-hmm. But I, you could easily run some kind of crazy script and uh, just take care of all the short cards, codes and turn them into blocks. How about um, full site editing? Um, just to kind of get people who aren't really understanding what that means yet. Uh, where, where are we going here? And what's, gonna, what's going away? What's changing? And how do you how do you communicate full site editing to the regular user, who's maybe has built some sites, but they're they're like, what what does that mean? Um, you know, I think the regular regular there is no regular. The uh, current I'm gonna go with current end user. Yeah. Uh, uh, probably won't think twice about full site editing. The, you know, they're used to their infrastructure. Full site editing is not getting rid of their workflows or whatnot to make things happen new users and users that are going to you know rebuild their sites and whatnot they're going to be looking at new themes new page builders will this sort of will these naturally support the newest tech in wordpress full site editing is part of that if you're a you know small business, it, it means nothing to you. If you're an agency, you should know how to take advantage of it. But but yeah. that's about it. Cool. Um, you mentioned uh, being responsible for the the P and L in WordPress, which is you know another way to say that is um, we got to figure out how to be profitable in an open source community where a lot of things are contributing and contributed or free or whatever. Um, if somebody wants to get involved in open source and have a living at the same time, and I know there's lots of layers from like agency owner to, I have my own online business to, I have a SaaS that integrates in this community. Um, what do you, uh, what would you say? Oh, and not at all. And, And frankly, for most people, that's the beauty of open source is that there are ton of people doing a lot of work just so you can take advantage of it. I mean, yeah. a lot of developers, a lot of community folk, a lot of, you know, open source peoples, you know, they literally just want to see someone just using it, building it, building something else with it. So do do you have to reciprocate, you know, one for one? No, that that's that's not how it works. Um should you reciprocate at some point if you can if you can yeah i mean that you know it if life and time allows you to yeah that'd be great and you know you you, you should give back somehow uh, i i talk a, a lot about you know the fact that one of the simplest things is to not poop on the people yes poop i said <laughs> <laughs> there's so many other w- versions of that <laughs> um, you know a, a lot of open source developers really get pooped on 
for things that are beyond their control and it, and and the people doing the pooping um aren't aren't really aware of how much effort has gone into what they're getting for free or at an incredible value yeah six of one yeah. um it's you know there are tons of folks who are are, are are able to do amazing things for for themselves, for their families, for their businesses, for their communities, with open source. And when something goes wrong, you know, a lot of these open source communities, there's only a handful of people who are day in and day out, you know, committed their lives to doing the work for it. And they don't need to hear you suck. Why is this broken? Right. It's open source. They're not the ones who who, who run your company. If this is a problem for you jump in and say, hey, I found this is an issue. Here's what I suggest. Here is, you know, if you're not tech, let's look at you, Mr. Badgett. Uh, you already said you're not the technical guy, but yeah. I bet you've seen issues and problems in open source projects because we all have. Yeah. So just identifying it and say, hey, I've been able to reproduce this problem three times. This is great software. This is a problem I found. I'm submitting it. That's it. That's all you yeah. have to do. It takes five yeah. minutes and you're <laughs> going to get 500 years of great software back at you because it's fixed. That's better than saying, oh, my God, WordPress sucks because I couldn't do like a, a <laughs> you know, I couldn't run an NFT off of it. Well, yeah, no, you, you, you know, yes, that, fine. You didn't get to run an NFT. If you'd like to run an NFT, how about you help and, you know, contribute to the project to do WordPress NFTs? That is horrifying in my head, but yes. Do you, you brought it up. Do you have any thoughts about, uh, um, you know, digital assets, NFTs, um, cryptocurrency and the future of the web, like blockchains and decentralization? Does this, and the, how does that jive with your open source wor worldview? And like, where, where do you see, do you see these worlds colliding at all? Maybe they have already. Oh, just say it. you're just too chicken to say the word Web three. Um, I'll say it. <laughs> I just like to. I just like to elaborate, like what I mean by that, because like I, I remember when I heard Web two, I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know what that means. So, hey, for for giggles, I still code pages in HTML, like hardcore okay. bracket HTML. <laughs> um, I the whole point of the internet was supposed to be that everything's decentralized there's redundancy failover built into it i would love to see all of that in regards to content and other assets and whatnot um on my personal blog i actually commented on this a couple of days ago and, and you know the issue is that you still have silos that engineer all of that communication and that's sort of the problem so it's Yes, in a perfect world, all everything you just talked about, all this Web3 would be decentralized and open and accessible and peer-to-peer. -peer. Just, just as open source as open source is. Right. But it's not because it, it requires resources that, you know, I may not have at home. If, if my only computing device is a tablet or a phone, no, I really can't participate in Web3. I, I need to have a, a server or a server farm or, you know, something or other that, that, that can support 
uh, a lot of that interest. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with inter-SAS communication. Um, copyright. Um, <laughs> and there are silos being built around that. And I don't think Web3 is technologically as open as the vision for Web3 wants to be. Solid points. Um, where's where's hosting heading? Like, what what do you see at Cloudways? I know you've Cloudways has recently been working on um, some like starter bundles to to be easier for people to kind of get rolling, get going. Um, you guys have been rolling out free trials, notes for so people can get in and like try it out, which is like the opposite of how most hosts do it, which I think is really cool uh, to like. Hey, try it out. See what you think. <laughs> like, let us earn your trust. I think it's super cool. Where, where do you see, where's hosting going? Where's Cloudways going? How do you reduce even more friction in hosting? It's incremental at the end of the day. I mean, you know, again, 10 years ago when Cloudways started, 20 years ago when we all discovered we all needed hosting, uh, it, it's gotten a lot easier. You know, I, now I'm not worrying about building up my own DNS server on my server. Most of that's taken care of. Oh, you remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or SSL certificates. I mean, you're just like... Uh, <laughs> figuring out which mail uh, server platform you're going to run just so you can get one email a day. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, we're... we're, we're we're taking, you know, slow incremental baby steps following the market. What can we make easier? What, you know, what is your biggest pain point today? For a lot of our customers, it's like we want our sites to be up and you know, we're based out of Australia or we're based out of Italy or we're based out of Brazil. Not all hosting providers can do that. So, you know, we've taken the idea of let's work with the big cloud infrastructure providers and build a platform on top of that to make it really easy to be like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of all this sys admin voodoo, and and by the way, you can build your site as local as you want to do it. You know, if if you want to be on DigitalOcean or AWS or Google Cloud, Vulture or Linode, you know. There are reasons for each one of those platforms, and yeah, and there are geographical thing considerations we can you know deal with. So that's awesome, and and I think that's one of the first bits of friction to get rid of is like, why do I have to host this in the U.S. or why do I have to host this in Europe? Well, you don't. So we've removed that. Now everything's much more local. So now if, you know you you feel like you own it a bit more. So that the, there's that. Uh, sort of neighbor tech aspect of it. We're here, we're here with you in your region. Great. We've gotten rid of the sysadmin nonsense. And, and in fairness, a lot of hosting companies, everyone's trying to get rid of that sysadmin madness. Most people are, you know, either they're very techy or very everything else. So <laughs> if you're very techy, you're running your own AWS server VPS somewhere. That's great. Have fun. I'm very techy. I don't want to do that. Too much work and a headache for me. I want a lot of that stuff just automatically taken care of. So 
that's that's that huge first uh, friction point that everyone's trying to tackle. Then the other ones start creeping up on the software layers. You know, what applications are you using? How can we make that easier? Are you a pure content provider in WordPress? And that's where sort of those bundles come in that you were talking about. You know, if you're in a specific space, if you're in, you know, learning management space, do we have a bundle that can ramp you up quicker than anyone else can? Awesome. Great. If you're, you know, selling pet supplies, is there an e-commerce bundle that takes care of that? If you're into photography, if you're into blogging, if you're into social media, you know, that's, so one of our goals is just kind of take little bits of those friction points, uh, you know, out of the whole decision process and get you ramped up to where you want to be quicker than you could anywhere else. Um, and those are going to happen across all sorts of software layers. So, you know, WordPress certainly, but you're going to see them, you know, on other platforms as well. I love that. For for someone who's um, not super technical out there, I know with Cloudways, one of the first things you have to do after you get in there is to choose your server. And by the way, I just want to reiterate what you just said. Uh, one of the worst mistakes I ever made was hosting our own website on Amazon. And we even had, a, we hired a sysadmin to help us and it was terrible in 2014. And uh, I have, a, it gave me a huge respect for managed WordPress hosting. Like I know Amazon's back there, but I don't want to, <laughs> even with our technical skills in house, I don't want to mess with it. I don't, we got too much stuff to worry about at the application layer, the content layer, the marketing layer, the business layer, whatever. Um, but if somebody goes into like Cloudways and they've, you've got like DigitalOcean, Amazon Web Services, Linode, Google, Volter, like what's the difference? Like how does somebody choose like which one, if they don't know, like if they don't already have like an opinion? So we're, we're trying to make that easier. I mean, with Cloudways, we probably tack to a more geekier crowd that knows exactly what they want and why they want it. I mean, there are certain benefits to each platform. Baby steps. A lot of it is just like, okay, we're finding, you know, where the where the points of friction are for the for certain types of customers to just take that, you know, that question out of the equation. Um yeah, I mean, Vulture has, you know, great reputation, very high frequency stuff. It's it's a bit more expensive, uh, and that's fine. And do you really need to, you know, be running your blog on Vulture? Probably not. DigitalOcean probably takes care of that just darn fine. And DigitalOcean standard. I'm not even talking about DigitalOcean. I mean, you can go to the cheapest DigitalOcean on our, on Cloudways, and your blog's gonna fly because DigitalOcean's geared toward that. You know, Vulture is doing different kinds of uh, uh, connections if you're using APIs and things. So if you're if you have a WordPress site that you know that's you know got an open API for other folks to connect with, you know that might matter a, li uh, a lot more. And then AWS and Linode and Google Cloud, you know, have similar you know tweaks and you know, percentages of differences where, where it matters for certain kinds of applications. So it's really about knowing what kind of, you know, this is why I always, you know, talk to your agency, your agency knows best, you know, go to your agency, they know what they have been successful with for what types of projects, and, you know, we're here to support those kinds of agencies to make that happen. Um, that's the short term, 
long term, that's slowly going to get cleaned up. So people can just say, I want to create training on Lyft or LMS, LMS and I expect 500 people, you know, to be on a day done. Yeah. That's it. And then also, and then also you're ramping up, but you know, there, there, there's just all the little tech hurdles and just making sure everything's, you know, that it's done well and it takes time. Nothing, no, nothing happens overnight. As a technologist, do you have any, one of the like last pieces that like you don't really keep in house on the hosting or in WordPress or in your LMS is, is video. Um, do you recommend, and I, I recommend like, okay, get Vimeo pro or Wistia or some third party video service, but do you have any thoughts on like hosting your own video? Is it good idea, bad idea? Uh, if you are going to do it, expect to pay for more, um, you know, bigger hosting package or whatever, any thoughts around video and how to deal with it, especially since video is so big and it's just growing exponentially <laughs> in terms of usage. Um, <laughs> my personal opinion is very much dump video to someone else. Yeah. Let the third parties take care of it. Uh, it's going to be, I mean, don't just, I'm not a big fan of just throwing it up on YouTube and throwing an iframe in with your YouTube video or embed or whatever. Um, but, but, but they're for all intents and purposes, you know, YouTube, Vimeo at all, they are video CDNs. So yeah, take advantage of that. And it's going to be cheap. Uh, you know, a, a monthly Vimeo account for is, is probably insignificant to how much you would have to pay to manage all your video on your own, you know, local install, wherever that is. Um, and, and the performance, you know, those guys have, have built SASs around video. That's, that's really all they are. I mean, yes, we can say YouTube, social media, blah, 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 blah. Really, it's a video SAS. That's all it is. It just happens to have comments at the end of it. But you can have comments on your WordPress website. You don't need to, like, live in YouTube world. Um, so, you know, that's sort of the short thought about it that it probably should be cut out and edited out before I get banished from Google. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. I mean, I think Vimeo Pro as of this recording is around $300 a year. So call that like uh, $30 a month or, or, or less 20, $25 a month. Like it's just worth offloading that to somebody yep. uh, who, who does that same for like podcasting. Uh, I would say too, but I don't know if you. Yeah, would... I mean, I, I love SASs. I use a billion of them for a billion different things. And when they focus on a certain thing, like okay, we're gonna do video. Well, you know, the best part of that is not they're just hosting the video. It's that they're gonna uh, deploy and display it in different formats for you. You don't have to worry about it. How yeah. much is your time worth? You know, <laughs> if you're paying three hundred dollars a year, okay, so let's call it fifty dollars. No, not even fifty. What are we at? Twenty five a month. Yeah. Twenty five a month. Um, yeah, you should be able to pay twenty five dollars a month to have someone manage and transcode all your video. Your own TV station sounds like a good deal. <laughs> because it is. Yeah. Do you have any um, thoughts on email too? Is that something we should offload to, like, in your opinion, to like a a, a Google Workspace or G Suite deal, or we should host our own email? What do you recommend? Uh, so email is my favorite form of online communication. 
it's great because okay. I, I you know it, it's I can snooze it I can archive it I can do a million things with it I can come back to emails from 20 years ago it's great no god forbid don't run your own email server are you crazy do you not have enough free time in your life what a pain in the rear end it's no uh find someone who does it well i'm a big fan of google workspace or yeah. they keep changing names i guess that's what it is now now um five dollars a month <laughs> or i think that's what it is and not only do you get the email you get the docs and and the spreadsheets and everything else it, Analytics. It, it, it's it's a stupidly great deal. I don't know what they're doing with it at the moment. Theoretically, my email. Once you, if you are, if you're just doing Gmail, theoretically they, they can still kind of like scan it or whatever. Uh, but in the workspace, uh, as my my understanding is, it's completely private. So, yeah. So what? I mean, I the spam protection they have i don't i don't care who you use use office 365 use rackspace use you know google mail no we're all too old to be running our own email servers i've done this i've run my own email server that is a giant nightmare are you kidding me oh my goodness no stop just stop <laughs> it, it, it's just like video i mean you know, certain certain applications have been kind of perfected in their SaaS model, and yeah, five dollars a user per month. Okay, that's you know, depending on where you live, that might be barely a cup of coffee. Um, so for one day, but it co covers all your email a month, and email is like one of my most valuable communication methods. Yeah, I'll give you five dollars, you know, a month for that. Jeepers creepers. I like I like your point. You do need some SaaS, like uh, you know, to run an online business of some kind. Maybe you got some WordPress and plugins, some themes. Maybe like ten really SaaS companies you rely on that are mission critical. That's what it takes. That's what's in the the grab bag of technology. Well, I, you know, one of the things I'm just not religious about it. <clears throat> yeah, best I mean, tool for the job, right? I'm religious about open source insofar as I think that's the best way to get code out to people and make better products. I think that's really important, and I, I don't want anyone to miss out on that. Open source has done more for the internet in, in it, period, and a conversation. Open source has been the driver, creator, and be-all and end-all of the internet. So being part of it, if you're listening to this and, and, and contributing back, is is – is something that a, a simple action can affect billions of people. And that's amazing. And, and it, it's a power and it's, it's just, it's, it's one of the greatest creations, you know, certainly in my lifetime of what a, you know, that, that every single individual can have a immense impact. Doesn't mean I don't like a good SAS and, you know, <laughs> I like my Google Workspace. I like my Zapier. Uh, the, and there are a couple others that really just, you know, m make my life a lot easier. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, what we're doing, what we're, even on the, you know, on this Zoom, Facebook, you know, however this is being spread out, madness, I, I guarantee you 99% of it is based on open source. And how many of you have actually thought about what you've given back to make that happen? How much have you gotten from it? 
and how much can you give back? You don't have to give back a lot. It, that's the irony. You, you can give back so little, and it makes the, the, the magnification of that is huge. That's awesome. That's Robert Jacoby. He's from Cloudways. You can find cloudways.com. I've been seeing in the Lifter LMS community, Cloudways over the past couple of years has really come up in the ranks, people talking about it, people raving about your support, people raving about the entry point, like the, the affordability, yet amazing customer support and all the options and customizability and choices they have. Uh, so you're doing a good thing there. Um, any final words for the people before we say goodbye today? <laughs> for the people? Uh, <laughs> boy, I got a bunch of final words. Uh, don't stop learning. Take advantage of it everywhere, online, offline, wherever. I think being excited about that uh, will be really helpful. And open source it is is really the fuel of the internet and it's easy to forget about because you see products with fancy you know brand names and marketing around them but each one of those products i guarantee you is 99 percent open source awesome that's robert jacoby go to cloudways.com thanks for coming on the show and uh, we'll oh, have to do it again good. sometime and perhaps <laughs> connect in person at a wordpress event if they allow me after this one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.